Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody this morning? I have spring fever. I am excited. I can't wait for February to get behind us and get into March. Uh, we're in a series of lessons called The Eyes of Faith. You know, this year, our theme this year is Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. And we're wanting God to open our eyes as a, as a Christian, as a disciple, and as a church to really see what God's wanting to reveal to us, what He wants us to know, what He wants us to see, what He wants us to do. And we, so we've been looking at this uh, idea of faith and how we have physical eyes, but also a spiritual eye. And this spiritual eye is how we, we look at life through the eyes of our faith, how we see things as they really are, the unseen things through this eye of faith. And so it's all about living by faith. Really, that's what God's uh, following Christ is about. And today I want to talk about believing in Christ because that's a big phrase and a big term we use when we talk about faith. Notice what the Bible says here. There's very few places where the God is so plain and just says, I want you to do this. And look, at here's one that's really clear. This is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. So what's God want me to do? What's his will that I believe in Jesus? He wants me to believe in the one he sent. And if this is so important in life, look at this next passage here in Galatians 3. The only way to receive God's promise is to believe in Jesus Christ. If you want to receive any any benefits or any blessings from God, it comes down to believing in Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk, probably try to answer two questions. Like one of them being, what are the benefits? What are the blessings that I can expect if I believe in Jesus? And then what does it mean, really mean to believe in Jesus? Let's look at this right now. When I choose to believe in Jesus, let me give you five benefits. There's a ton of them. But here's five that the scriptures teach. First one is very good. Everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. When you believe in Jesus, everything you've ever done wrong is forgiven. And by the way, everything that you do that's wrong is forgiven as well when you believe in Jesus. What are you saying? What do you mean, Tim? Well, look at this passage in Acts 10. The Bible says this, all who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins. Isn't that great news? You ever blown it? Messed up? Big time? It says when you believe in Christ, you're forgiven. And in Romans 8, 1, it says this, so those who are believers in Christ Jesus can no longer be condemned. Not only are you forgiven, but you're no longer living under condemnation from God when you believe in Jesus. It's a wonderful promise. Number two, when I believe in Jesus... I find my purpose in life. You know, people seem to be looking for their identity nowadays. Everybody's looking for something to, to find their identity. They want to be referred to a certain way. And so they, they, they're looking for either a, a political party or a gender. They're looking for some way, uh, an age. We have all these terms, baby boomers, baby busters, millennials, Gen X, I mean, they're just, we're just, we find that I'm a part of that crowd. I'm a part of this persuasion. I'm a part of this group. We're looking for some way to, to get our identity. Sometimes we'll even, we, we ask ourselves, I want, I want to know why I'm here. I'd like to know my purpose because, because my identity will help me when we introduce ourselves. You know, my name is Tim and I'm, I own a, a business or I'm a student or I'm, I work here, or I do this as a profession. We're looking for some way to get identity. And sometimes we look for it in maybe our parents to try to help us understand our identity with our name. Uh, you know, everybody nowadays is given, sometimes we give a name 
that's a family name or a combination of names. We're trying to say you're a part of this family. Even the term Christian is a way to identify identify in God's family nowadays and, and in the scriptures. But we look for parents to do this. Friends sometimes try to help us find our identity. Teachers sometimes, counselors will do this. And even trends, the trends that, that come and go in life, we, we look to them. Well, maybe that's what I'm called to be. That's what I, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. The thing is, folks, that my identity, your identity, our true identity and purpose is found in the one who created us. That's really where you find it. You don't find it in, in, with some person. They might help sometimes, but you really find out what the function of something is, what its purpose is from the one who made it. And who made you? The Bible says Jesus Christ made you. John 1 talks about that, that the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and with God, and, and the Word created all things. And the Word, it says, became flesh and dwelled amongst us. They're talking about Jesus there. Look at this passage in Colossians 1, 16. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. It was all created through Him and for His purpose. Paul said this in Ephesians, to the believers. These are written to the believers now in Colossae and to the Ephesus church. Written to people that needed to know this after they'd given their lives to Christ. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I don't know how you're looking for identity. Maybe you're looking for, you know, why am I here? What's my purpose? Why am I alive now at this time? You find it when you begin to believe in Jesus Christ. That's when you find it. Number three, when I believe in Jesus Christ, God gives me his strength and power. I get his strength. He blesses me with his strength. And his power. See, there's some things that, you know, let's face it, we don't have enough power to deal with. We don't even know how to begin to address. You ever had that happen where you get into something, you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have the strength to handle this. I had a nightmare yesterday. Uh, well, Friday night, Saturday morning. I had a five foot long to-do list. What is this? And I have to admit, I've been writing a lot on pieces of paper. And I, and this was five foot long. And I woke up going, I don't have enough time to get all that done. That's what I say instead of good morning. <laughs> you know, you ever, you know, you've, you run into something, you're hit with something, you're going, I don't even, I don't need this today. That's my life all the time. I don't, I haven't got time for this today, Lord. Why is this happening? I don't have the strength to do this. I can't, not one more thing. Not one more thing. And maybe that's what we, we learn. I read an article, a little self-help article. It said, if you're thinking, one of the things between people who are living with contentment and happiness and those that are miserable is, the people that are miserable have this idea in their head that one day I'll get everything done and I can relax. And my wife, I told Denise this, and she goes, yeah, you need to learn that. And it's true. I, I think, man, if I get this and this and this, done, then finally, like, no, not with five grandkids and a sixth one coming. You can kiss those days goodbye, folks, because there's always going to be something. If I, if my business is took care of and my family's took care, my grandkids are going to say, well, now it's time for us. And then it just starts all over again. Where do you get the strength and the power? 
to handle something. You want, I want to change something in my life. And I just can't seem to be, I can't overcome this stronghold in my life. I can't seem to, to understand fully. I can't seem to stop doing this habit. I hate this. I, I use all the willpower I can conjure up. But it seems, seems to not be enough. It's because it takes supernatural power to deal with this one. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, He promises to give you His power and His strength. Paul said this in a prison cell, way in over his head. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Why? Because I believe in Him, Tim. I trust Him. He says to the church in Ephesus, I pray that you'll begin to understand. It must be hard to understand and hard to grasp. That you begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. See, when I believe in Christ, that power is available. What kind of power? Well, it's the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same mighty power that fulfilled a promise of God. And so any promise that He's making to you, any promise that you know in the Bible right now, the power, there is power to fulfill that promise. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, that, that answered and fulfilled the greatest power of, or the greatest promise of all is available to you and I. I want be, I want that power. How about you? I need that. You need that? I need that strength. I look at some of you and I go, how do you get the strength and the power? And I know it's not coming from you. It's coming from another source. It's coming from your life dedicated to God. And God says, I'll give you a little bit more strength to handle that. I'm going to give you a little bit more power to overcome that. And so when you believe in Christ, everything you've ever done, everything you'll ever do is forgiven if you believe in Christ. You find your real purpose in life and He gives you His strength and power. Here's one here that I just was reminded of. Number four, I was reminded of yesterday at uh, Daryl Gann's uh, memorial service. And that is, I'm guaranteed eternity with God. That's a big one. You know, I listened to someone this week and he said, you know, you were, you were made to live forever, but not here. And I went, well, I don't know, I kind of like to live forever here. And then he went on to explain, if you think you'd like to live forever here, you're crazy. I notice that older I get, and some of you are the same way when I'm with you, you get where you start embracing this death idea. You're ready to clock out. Why? Because it's a mess. And if someone said, well, this is all you're going to get, and you're going to live here forever, that's like a prison sentence for some of us. What are you saying? Now you're going to be here forever with us. I don't want to be here forever with you. Why not? Because this world is so broken and busted and there's so much evil and it's a cesspool and I get tired of it too and I think, why is this happening? I don't want to see another tragic story on the news. I don't want to experience another painful episode in my life. And it's because, why is this happening? Because it's a broken place and the thought of staying here forever, ah. Not as excited about that. But God, you may be to live forever. Are you you having fun here? Are you just like to see people in pain? Oh, no, no. I made you to live forever, Tim, but not there. That's why you can live as old as Kirk Douglas and you're going to die. Some of you go, who is Kirk Douglas? 
You're kidding me. We need to educate our young people. No, I'm guaranteed eternal life. Look what Jesus said. He guarantees it here in John 6. He says, I tell you emphatically. Another translation says, I guarantee this. I'm telling you the truth. It's, it's more than, I'm just telling you something. Oh man, this is something you can take to the bank. The one who believes in me has eternal life. He says, I can guarantee this. And by the way, if you believe in me, you'll have it and I'll back it up. You're going to back it up? Yeah. Yesterday, we're at a memorial service for Daryl Gann. There were 12 of us there. How many of you plan to have at your funeral? They set up all these chairs. 12 people come. He was a member here. And I, and I get up and there, I find out, I find out, I don't know anything much about Daryl. Been coming to church here for years. I didn't even know he had a son. And there he sits in the front row. Nice guy. He has a niece. I meet, I meet Daryl's roommate, Pat. A childhood friend. And there's Bob and Faye. Where he, when he went, he, he's going, he went to sunset classes and, and there's Gary Spurgeon. And Gary comes up to me before we start and goes, Hey man, I want to say something about, I want to say something about Daryl. And I'm going, I'll say it after it's all, after we're done. I go, I don't think it's a good idea. How, how about I'll have you talk? Because I don't know what he's going to say. Have you ever talked to Gary? You don't know what's going to happen. And, and by the way, usually it's so good. And sure enough, I said, I said, you know, I said, I don't know Daryl very much. Uh, Gary wants to say some things. He goes, yeah, I'd like to. Let me tell you, Daryl's a great guy. He came to church here. He's a cab driver. But when he came to church the first time, he came in a cab. Somebody drove him here and I took him home. And he said, I like to know more about, about, you know, the Bible and stuff. And I told him about sunset. And he's saying all this and I'm watching the, the son who was not raised by Daryl, but by grandparents. Did you know that Daryl lost his wife early in life? And he didn't know how to handle it. So he lets his son be raised by his grandparents, by the son's grandparents. And I listened, I listened, and here's Gary talking about, man, Daryl loves God, and he loves, and I'm watching the son go, like he never heard that, didn't know that. A girl, a woman, who has known Daryl since the first grade, starts talking about all this cool stuff about Daryl. And I'm watching that son again. A cab driver. Can I say something? And I'll think, thank you, Gary. Thank you for starting this. Can I say something? He's got a piece of paper. And he walks up in front of everybody. Daryl rode a cab with us for 14 years and da, da, da. And he he goes, and he was a GD good guy. And I went, well. (laughs) That's all I got to say. I'm thinking, thank God. <laughs> but, but I mean, I thought it was so, so real, you know. I really appreciated all the words that were said. And I thought to myself, Daryl never wrote. He, guys, he never wrote a book. And he had, you know, he had lots of stories. Driving a cab for 14 years. Oh my goodness, the stories he could tell. He never wrote a book, never built something that stood out. He never, nothing, nothing spectacular about this guy according to the world standards, but he did one of the greatest things he ever did. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
He gave His pain and His brokenness to Jesus. And, and by the way, that is the greatest thing you could ever do, you could ever decide to do. He said, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. And because of that, what he believed about eternity, he's experiencing in eternity. That's awesome. What a tribute. What a great example. He may not have been able to raise his son, but he sure could influence his son to love the Lord. And I said something about this. I was doing Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. And one of the things I, I noticed was, is that, and I said this to the group and I'm saying it to you this morning. Nobody, nobody ever claimed they could resurrect someone and back it up. Except Jesus. He's the only guy that said, I can raise the dead and backed it up. Here's what he says to Martha. After Martha gets on him a little bit about, you know, you're late. Why didn't you show up? You should have been here. My brother would be okay. He wouldn't be dead. And he goes, well, he's, he, he's gonna, he's not, he's gonna live again. Well, yeah, on the last day. She throws a little theology at him. Can you imagine? We, we try to throw theology at God. Hey, I'm, I am theology. I'm reality. He says, I'm the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. And look what he says here. He promises to all of us. I'm glad this story's in the Bible. Anyone who believes, anyone, anyone, is that me, you, anyone, anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like everyone else, shall live again. He has given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. And how does Jesus back that up? Well, not only does he raise someone from the dead, like Lazarus, but he even says, kill me, and I'll raise myself. And he does. And when you believe in Jesus, you're believing not only who he is, but what he did with death, and what he's doing for you. He guarantees, and what he promises. That means every promise. He says, I guarantee this. It's got the seal of approval from the throne of God, folks. You can count on it. And he's saying, I can make every promise I've made to you good. Number five, I experience true satisfaction. Everybody's after fulfillment and satisfaction. I don't care who you are. We all want that. We're all after that. I want contentment. I want to be, feel like I can look back on my life and be satisfied. I'm looking for some kind of satisfaction. In John 6, Jesus said this, said this to a woman, I'm the bread of life. Come every day to me and you'll never be hungry. Then he says, believe in me and you'll never be thirsty. You know, there's lots of ways we try to find a way to quench our thirst. This thirst for fulfillment and satisfaction. And the problem is they, they, all these things we try to cram in there, they only work for a little while. They never work very long, do they? I have a sinkhole in my backyard. I've been fighting this sinkhole ever since I lived out there. I, when I bought the house, I didn't know it had a sinkhole. They had covered it up with dirt. And then we get a big rain, and all of a sudden I got this, you could drive a small vehicle into. I'm like, what is this? What do I do? I'll go get some dirt. So I, I call up this fella and he brings out a big dump truck and he dumps all this dirt and I spread it out, pack it down and it looks great. 
until it rains again. Comes back. I have spent over a thousand dollars on dirt. Sometimes I fill this sinkhole up twice a year. Then I thought, well, I wonder if there's a way you can fill in a sinkhole. So I got on the internet. I talked to the Corps, the Army Corps of Engineers, and I find out there is a process I can fill this sinkhole. It's going to cost me big if I really want to do it. But I, so I'll do it the cheap way. I'll keep putting this dirt. It's never, there's only one way to fill that hole properly. Only one way to do it if I really want to get rid of that sinkhole. And that's how our heart and our lives sometimes can be. Like this sinkhole. I'll put a car in it, a person in it. I'll put some pleasure in it. I'll put some hobbies in it. I'll put some, I'll put my family in it. I'll put all kinds, I'll put priorities, money, fame, whatever. I think it, and it looks good for a while. And then as soon as it rains, guess what? The hole's back. And I pay and pay and pay and pay. And God says, you know what? If you would just trust me here and believe in me, you'd never have that hole. That hole would be filled. It'd never be empty again. Jesus promises this. If you believe, he says in me, you'll never be thirsty. Now, these are just five of some awesome benefits and some blessings from God. And notice they're all connected to what we're talking about this morning. This idea of believing in Jesus. Well, I believe in Jesus. That's why this, this series has been so, I think, effective and so, so profound for many of us, for myself as well. Believing in Jesus, really trusting Him, that's challenging. And I do believe this is a, this is a, a turning point for, for you, for your family, and for this church. If we can just start looking through the eyes of faith and really get serious about believing in Jesus. Well, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Because a lot of people say they believe in Jesus or they believe in, or they believe in God or believe in the Son of God or actually believe He rose from the dead. But it's much more than just believing some facts and some information. And I know a lot of people think they believe Jesus or believe in Jesus, but they really don't believe in Jesus. How do you know that? Because they do this thing called spiritual editing where they take certain things and they say, oh, I agree with that, but I don't agree with you on that one, Lord. Or that must, have been mis- that must be mistranslated. Or Tim must have got that wrong in the passage, which I have been known to get some things wrong in some passages. I'm not denying that. But we don't even bother to find out, well, what is the passage really saying? I mean, if you can't accept what I'm talking to you about this morning, search the Scripture yourself. Find something. Don't go to the Scriptures and just keep going, well, that doesn't say that, it doesn't say that, it doesn't say that. I grew up with a preacher that said, well, it doesn't say that, it doesn't say that, it doesn't say that. I said, well, what does it say? I don't know, but it doesn't say that, and it doesn't say that, and it doesn't say that. I want to know what it says. What it means. You see... Satan believes there's a God and, 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 and he trembles. Satan believed Jesus was the Son of God and, and got him killed, thinking that would get it done. But he's not saved. His sins aren't forgiven. He's not blessed with God's power. You can believe in God. And a lot of us do. A lot, listen, folks, a lot of people are like this. They believe in God and they believe Jesus is the Son of God and they believe he rose from the dead. But it doesn't do much more than that. 
Is that what it means to believe in Jesus? I want to tell you, no, it does not. It means so much more. See, I, I, my wife is sitting in the crowd, so I've got to be good this, this morning. I believe in the existence of Denise. Oh, if, if I ever doubt the existence of Denise, she reminds me that she exists, okay? But can I tell you that it's, that this believing in Jesus is much like a relationship in marriage. It's not just to believe in her existence, but it's to rely on her, to trust her, to trust her, to yield to her. That's what believing in Jesus... The word pistuo is the Greek word that we get for faith. It comes from the root word pistis, which means to believe something. But this idea of pistuo gives... Where we see this believe in this and believe in this and believe in this is the word we get trust. Uh, John uh, 14, you'll read the translation. It says, believe in God, believe also in me. And then you'll see another translation that says, trust in God, trust also in me. It's because it's the word pistuo. It means to trust, to yield. And so believing in Jesus, see, causes me to trust Him. It causes knowing some things about Him, but to move into trusting Him. What do you mean, Tim? That's okay. Number one, I turn everything over to Jesus. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. I turn everything over to Him. Look at this. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. A lot of us go, I believe He died and rose again, so I'm saved. Yeah, but do you believe He's your Lord? That you could you would say that to somebody. My name's Tim, and I own a glass company. Yeah. I'm a minister. I'm one of the ministers at Greater Alton. Yeah. I, I'm a father of two. Those are all true things. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Is it just as true as those others? Now, Gary did a fantastic job talking about this idea of Jesus being Lord. I don't remember what sermon it was. It was last year. Oh, I know that. Go search on our website and you can hear a fantastic lesson about the Lordship of Jesus. It's in all of them. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Gary. Okay. All right. Okay. But the thing I want you to see, you went, you went like this at me, I'm going to do like that at you. Okay. What I want you to see is this word Lord, we don't use that anymore. Do you call anybody Lord? They use that in England, I guess, real family stuff. No, the word we use, it would be equivalent to this, is like uh, master or manager. You ever seen a restaurant that says under new management? What's that mean? It's under somebody that's the boss. He's under new management, new direction. Uh, he's calling the shots or she's calling the shots at that restaurant. And so when Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, He's more than a resident, He's president in your life. He's in charge. He calls the shots. So I, and when I believe in Christ, it, it's a life of turning things over that are yours to Him. You're turning over your past. And by the way, God, you can have the past. I'm done with it, right? 
But he goes, well, that's good, Tim, but I want everything. What do you mean everything? I want your present too. You want now? Yeah. And I also want your future. If I'm going to be Lord, I heard some old preacher years ago say, if he's not Lord of all, he cannot be Lord at all. You know, Jesus is not, he is not going to play second fiddle. He's not going to be your co-pilot. He wants to be the pilot. He wants first chair. And if you know, some of you, anybody here been in band before? In band? Raise your hand. So you know what first chair is. Place of honor. Second chair? It's okay. Third chair? Why even there? I played third trombone. And I thought, why am I here? And then I got to listen to the second trombone and the first trombone go, oh, now I know why I'm here. <laughs> he wants to be first chair. He wants to be Lord of all of it. And see, listen, church, until he is Lord of everything, unless, until that, somebody else is Lord. It's not him. It's you. It's me. It's somebody else. Because they're controlling all the levers. I told you last week about a picture, you know, about a picture that uh, someone gave me yet, uh, last week. I want to show you the picture. It just illustrates everything. Can you throw that thing up there? Look at this. Just look at that. Tell me what that says. Have you all? We're all there. Jesus said, would you just trust me? But I love it, God. I love this. And look what, look what, look what God has planned for this, for this little girl if she just hand over her little toy. You see, when I believe and I trust and turn over everything I have to God, He blesses me with everything He has. He gives me everything he has planned for my life. But if I just let go of what the little I have, I think it's so much. And God says, oh, there's so much more I could bless you with. But I must be Lord. And believing in Jesus means I turn everything over to Him. Number two, believing in Jesus means I rely on His love. I rely on God's love. I really rely on God's love. You know, everybody here, I don't, I, I'm confused about love. I'm gonna to have to say, I gotta admit, I gotta tell you, I'm confused about love. My selfishness has just screwed it all up. I know this about love. I wanna be loved. And I bet that's true for you too. We all wanna be loved, but we're so doggone confused about this idea of what love is. Somehow we've, we, we, I've got it in my head, and maybe I'm the only one here, okay, so if the rest of you, if it doesn't apply to you, then you can just relax. I'm confused about this idea of love, because somehow I've gotten in my head that I have to earn love. That if I do the right thing, I'll be loved. If I do the wrong thing, I won't be loved. Where did I get this? And it just messes with me all the time. Well, if I do the right thing, then I'll be liked, I'll be accepted, I'll be loved, I'll be supported. But if I do the wrong thing, then I'll be rejected. Where did we learn this? Well, you learned that probably growing up 
Yeah, from other people that were screwed up about their their concept of love. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Is this idea, man, if I if God will, and I bring it into this relationship with God. Well, if I'm good, if I have a good day, then God loves me. If I have a bad day, ooh, He doesn't love me so much. Today, I hear, I hear this, I'm hearing this more and more. I just wish people would love me for who I am. Well, I listened to a, a psychologist, a Christian psychologist telling us parents and grandparents, just love your kids for who they are. I want you to listen to me carefully. No one loves you like God does. I know she's your sweetheart. I know he's, he's just a wonderful guy. He did something nice on Valentine's Day. But they, they're not even close to how God loves you. I know somebody, you got a great friend and they love you and they tell you the truth and sometimes it hurts and, and, and you know, you can count on them and I'm telling you that's wonderful and we need lots of redemptive friendships, friendships in our life. That's what the church is about. But no one loves you like God loves you because He doesn't love you because of who you are, but of who He is. He doesn't love you based on what you do, but what He does and what He did. And I'll tell you, church, I, say, I, I stand before you this morning, I'm just so confused about that. I know that's right, but I fall back into these ruts, these traps that make me think, well, if I'm good, then God loves me, and if I'm bad, then God doesn't love me. Some of you here, are, I know some of you have got worse than I do, You've got a really bad. Oh, I've not been to church for a long time. God just hates me. He hates me. He puts it on your heart to be at church because He loves you. There is nothing I can do to make you love me more. There is nothing I can do to make you love me less. What does it say? I get my knees and I bow, and I worship, and what do I confess? That you are the Lord, God Almighty. I I, I read an article this morning where a fellow says, that is sloppy Christianity. That, That God will love you, There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. Nothing you can do to make Him love you less. That is sloppy Christianity. I'm sorry, I just don't believe that. I believe God loves me because of who He is and not because of who I am. And see, believing in Jesus, help me Lord, believing in Jesus is accepting your love. Accepting that that's how you feel. Ah, nobody does that. I have nobody that does that. I mean, my wife, Denise, loves me. And there's times I've, I've thought, man, you married me because you like working with the mentally ill. I mean, I really have problems. I know I throw, I, she's like, oh, Tim, you're just driving me up the wall sometimes. And, and I'm saying is, I don't, and, and even that is not, 
it's, is it agape love? It's her best attempt at, God, at like God, God's love. But there's nobody. I can't find anybody that I even pushed. She has limits. And God says, ah, I have an everlasting love. I can't get my hand, I can't get my head around this. I know you need to believe in Jesus. Look at what he did for you. Look what he promises to him. Look how he cares about you. His heart breaks. His heart breaks when he sees you. He, that's how much he's for you. You couldn't even take, you can't take care of your problems. You can't deal with your eternal problem. And I, so he comes down and dies for you. Deal with that. I, 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 I hear, I hear prayers like this, Lord. I'm trying to figure out how I can repay you. You can't. So I don't try? You can repay. It's not about repayment. What's it about? Just just loving back. But I'm not very good at loving because I've learned to love conditionally. You're unconditional. And if I, if I had someone love me unconditionally, I'd probably let down my guard and really could relax. And are you saying that's the kind of love you got, Lord? Yeah. I got to think that one over. I, I can't relax. I got to always be busy. I got I to keep proving to you that I love, that I appreciate your love and everything. Tim, would you just calm down and enjoy being loved? You see. I think I think my concept of God's love has something to do with my concept of my love. And I've got to change that. Is there anybody else in this room that's dealing with this? Because I'm dealing with it all the time. I rely on His love. And when I can do that, I'll have confidence and security. Look at the Apostle Paul said. If there's anybody that questioned whether God would love him or not, I would think it'd be the Apostle Paul. Look what he says. The very first four words. And I am convinced. Whoa. What? I was a skeptic. But I'm convinced. I would love to be, I want to, I want to write a verse like this. I want to be able to say, I'm convinced. Because I'm still, God's still trying to convince me. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Death can't and life can't. Death can't? Death can't. I'll still love you after you're dead. Life can't. While you're alive. Nothing. We're separated from people from life and death. Life and death separates us at times from the people we love. God says, well, it doesn't separate me. Angels can't separate us. They're pretty powerful. They're, I've read about these angels. They're pretty powerful dudes. He can, they can't. My, Michael, the archangel, can't do it. Gabriel can't do it. Demons? Demons don't have a chance. And look at this. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Wait a second. You mean even when I'm scared right now, I know you don't want to be afraid, but I'm afraid right now and I worry about tomorrow, you're going to keep loving me even though I feel like, yes, powers of hell can't even do it. You know how Satan would love to shut down God's love so you could really, really know what it's like? He'd love to shut it down in your life. He'd like to close the gate. Just make sure you're not closing the gate. Are you on that gate trying to... Oh, if I could just shut this down. I just don't believe it, man. God's love, you cannot, it cannot be... No power in the sky above. 
What's that mean? No, no sky or the earth below. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ. That's why I need to believe in Christ because that's where the love is. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Rely on God's love. That's what it means to believe. If you believe in Jesus, you trust that love. It's guaranteed. It's good. It's solid. It's secure. Number three, I use my life to serve God. Church, think about this. If I claim to be a believer in Jesus, but I have no interest in serving, you've got to wonder if you're a believer. If, if, if I say, I believe in Jesus, but I, I don't, I'm not going to imitate his life of being a servant. How can I say I'm really a believer of God? If I limit it to just my own little world, my own little interests. Because see, God's made you and I for so much more, to do so much more than just take care of our own little world. Ephesians 2 says this, God has made us, I'm sorry, James 2 says, my brothers, perhaps a man says, I believe, what good is it if he does not do anything? Can, can, can just believing save him? And the answer is, no. You see, if I believe in Jesus, I believe I've been made more than for being born, going to school, getting a job, making some money, buying some things, having some kids, retiring and dying. I'm made for a life of good deeds. Look at this. God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, how do I have a union with Christ Jesus? Believing in Christ. When I, in our union with Christ Jesus, He has created us for a life of good deeds, which He has already prepared, prepared for us to do. See, you and I are saved for so much more than ourselves. We're saved... Oh, cliche is still true. We're saved to serve others. Paul said this to the Roman, to the believers in Rome. Give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you. Why? For you are back from death. And you want to be tools in the hands of God. To be used for His good purposes. I don't know of anything greater that satisfies me more personally than when I know and I feel and I know I'm God's using me as His tool. Doing something and serving it. There's nothing. I can, there's not, not enough money that does this for me. There's not enough pleasure, uh, personal pleasure, physical pleasure, um, uh, food that tastes over the top or, 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 or anything, any kind of pleasure there is. There's not enough stuff that makes me feel this satisfied. Then when I'm talking to somebody praying with someone or someone has a need and I'm tired and I go out and do something, a little thing for them and go, you know, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I honored God with that. I'm glad that I just said no to myself. A little victory and those little victories really matter. So when you believe in Jesus, it's, it's, uh, you, you, I'm going to use my life for God. Are you using your life for the Lord or is it just for yourself? For your own little world? 
God made you and saved you for so much more. Number four, I'm willing to suffer to do what's right. When you believe in Jesus, you're willing to suffer even for doing the right thing. You know, I, it dawned on me, Jesus was perfect. And he didn't, not everybody liked him. I'm one of those people, I want everybody to like me. I'm middle kid. That's my birth order. That's my problem. You know, and I want everybody to like me. And I'll do, sometimes I'm miserable trying to get this done. And I, even if I try as hard as I can, I, not everybody likes me. Jesus was perfect. And he had people that didn't like him, that rejected him, that argued with him, that disagreed with him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And see, if you're going to believe in Jesus, if I'm going to believe in Jesus, we need to be ready to suffer. Because being a Christian is not one of the most popular things these days. Look what it says in Philippians 2 here. For God has graciously given you the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for Him. Paul says it's a privilege and an honor to believe in Jesus. But it's also a privilege and an honor to suffer for Jesus. Now, let's be honest here. Jesus didn't go with the flow and there's going to be a lot of times when you're not going to go with the flow. You're going to have moments where somebody's going to ask you to go along with everybody else. And if you stand up, you might be criticized, rejected, made fun of. You might, you might lose your job. I, I, I own a business. I don't know how many, every week somebody's asking me, wanting me to do something shady. I had a couple of fellows the other day. They worked on a car over in West County and they damaged the car. And I got a phone call. And they go, listen, these two guys you sent out, they damaged my car. And I go, oh, here we go. What they scratched my hood. What kind of car is it? It's a 2019 Volvo XC60. First of all, several things alarmed me. 2019, a Volvo. I don't know what it is about people. The newer the car they have and the more expensive the car, the harder they are to get along with. You scratched my baby. I paid $20,000 for this car, or more, $30,000. And, and I'm going, I'm so sorry this happened. Well, wait a minute. What I want, the reason I called is because the two fellows that worked on my car told me, and that's refreshing. I went, that's right. And he goes, and I thought, I've ne-, he said, I've never had any company that's worked on stuff admit they broke something. Now, I don't know if we're painting the hood. I don't know if we're, it's a little touch-up. They tried to do a little touch-up job on it. And some of you guys that, you, that have worked for me, working for me, and used to work for me, know we have these situations that happen. And I, rem- I called those guys. I said, I have never been, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so grateful. You're the kind of guys that, you know, I need out there because you're men of integrity. And of course, they're thinking, and a raise? <laughs> and yes, yes. 
You want to keep people like that. There's something about doing something that's right. I, I know I'm, I know you, uh, last week I got caught up in some stories, but I got to tell you another one. Um, I'm with a couple. We're doing marriage counseling and the wife is fuming. Mad. Slams her Bible, slams her workbook. I knew this was what's going on. And here's the husband. He wasn't mad, so I figured he'd done something. So what happened? So what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He went to Hooters. Now, I look over at him and he goes, Yeah. I go, and the male of me going, Well, what's it like at Hooters? And I said, Well, no, wait a minute. I go, Okay, you went to Hooters. Well, can I explain? There's no explanation, she says. Well, I'd like to hear it. Here's what happened, Jim. I had a bunch of guys, you know, we're, we brought them in, for, flew them in from, from Houston, you know, and they, and, uh, they wanted to go to lunch, and I'm, I'm there to entertain them, representing the company. And I said, well, and I made the mistake, where would you like to go? And they said, well, let's go to Hooters. And so we're driving to Hooters, and I'm going, oh, oh. We walk in, of course, and we sit down, and, the, you know, take, take, I'm going, I said, guys, listen, I, I gotta say something, what? I can't stay here. Why not? What's wrong? What's wrong? The women too good looking for you. You know, they start giving him. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. I'm a Christian. Huh? I'm a Christian and I'm a married man. And I just don't feel right about this. Now you guys go, I don't hope this doesn't cancel the sale or mess up the sale. I, sorry, I gotta get up and walk out. I hope you understand. He gets up and walks out. I look over at the wife, go, see? And I go, yeah, I see. He walked out of Hooters, but he shouldn't have went there in the first place. But he walked out. Doesn't that count? See, it's never too late to do the right thing, church. Never too late to do the right thing. I've had to get up and walk out of uh, movies. I uh, remember one time I got up and walked out of a movie. And uh, some of you were in that movie. Watching that movie with me. Right after church. And I walked out. My family walked out. Remember that, Nathan? We walked out. And some of you, some of you walked out too. Some of you stayed. I don't know what you thought about that halftime show at the Super Bowl. I'm watching it. And after enough, I just could not deal with it anymore. I didn't say anything. I just got up and walked out. I don't know. I just can't. I don't want to see Jennifer Lopez like that. I don't need that in my life, in other words. Well, I tell you what, when you believe in Christ, you're going to have to go against the flow sometimes, or just sometimes you've got to do some stuff and people go, what's wrong with you? And they may think you're crazy, they may think you're nuts, but you're thinking you're a Christian, that's good. And you might lose a job, you might miss that promotion, you might have all kinds of stuff happen. Your marriage might go sideways for a while. Over following Christ, over following Christ. But it's the best thing you could ever do. And when you believe in Jesus, the standard does go up. And you might have to suffer what's right. You know, Jesus said said this one time. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. There's a cross you bear. And crosses are made to die on. And sometimes you've got to die to what you want and die to yourself, die to the popularity, die to what people think. 
Christianity is not for cowards. It takes courage. And if you'll do that, the Bible says this, that God will reward you. If you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid and don't worry. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen and don't worry what people are going to think. Just know that God's going to reward you. Number five, I trust what God says. If I believe in Jesus, I trust what He says. In other words, if God says do it, I do it. Now, it may be that He says it, and I don't do it right off the bat, but I, and I might do it later, I do it. I just do it. I don't pick and choose. And if I have to pick and choose, I'm going to pick all of it and choose all of it. Look at what it says here in Psalms 33. For all God's words are right, and everything He does is worthy of our trust. Would you circle all and everything and trust? All of His words are right. Everything He does is worthy of trust. Let me ask you a question this morning. I heard this and I thought it was a very good... How many of you believe everything you read in the newspaper? Raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you... You read some, everything you read in the newspaper, you believe. Anybody? Anybody? Any, everything you read on your, on Flipboard. Everything. You believe it? There's supposed to be an alien spacecraft that's Mach 13, and they've got the body to prove it. You believe that? Really? You're watching CNN. How many of you will throw that hand up and say, I believe everything CNN says? Isn't there a Democrat in the house? Sorry, I did that. (laughs) No, even if you're a Democrat, you don't believe for everything on CNN or Fox. Be fair. Okay, how many of you believe everything in the Bible is true? Then why do we spend hours on the media And we can't get five minutes in our Bible. How come we spend all this time and I'm reading junk and I can't get five or ten minutes in my Bible when all of it's true? I believe all of it's true. You see, if I really believe, I really believe in Jesus, I trust what He says. John said this in 1 John, We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. He says, there's some people we ought to believe. But there's a greater testimony, and it's God's, which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made Him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. You ever told a lie? I know. Yeah, I've told some whoppers. Do you listen to liars? Well, no, they're liars. Can you treat God like He's a liar? Yes, you can. How do I do that? I don't believe everything He says. I pick and choose. I believe, listen, I believe to a point. I believe it to a point. And when I do that, I make God, I treat God like He's lying to me. And see, God's testimony is greater than anybody's. Why? It's 
always true. Now, I want to say something real quick here. I know there's difficult passages in the Bible, but they're not the ones that bother me the most. They're not the ones that I have trouble trusting. The ones I have trouble trusting are the ones I do understand. Anybody else got the same problem? Yeah. So using some cockamamie excuse, well, you know, you, you can't really understand everything the Bible says. There's some truth there. It's hard. Some of this stuff's hard to understand. Peter admitted that about Paul's writings. But can I say to you, don't let that be your excuse for, well, I don't have to believe that because that's not saying that. When you know down deep inside, man, that's pretty clear. Or I can find the answer if I want. Psalms 119, David said these words. He said, I have thoroughly tested your promises. That's why I love them. Thoroughly tested. What's that mean? I got something here I bought uh, on Amazon. You know, I can't help it. Um, Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got this illness. Amazon fever from the Amazon. Anyway, um, um, Here's here's what it uh, does. It's what this is 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 a collapsible stand. Okay, see that collapsible stand. This is I got these so the guys could work on a car like a door glass. They could sit on it and work on a door glass. Now according to this here box, it says here this, and you can adjust it to any height. You know. It's kind of cool. I'm sure my grandkids would love to have one of these too, you know. So, yeah, that's a nice little Christmas gift here. Okay, okay. And so, and, and, and it says here on the box, it's even got a guy sitting on it. Okay. Maximum load, 130 kg. What is kg? Kilograms. It only weighs 1.25 kilograms and it'll hold 130. Anybody? Looked up, look up how, how much is it, is a, uh, 130 kilograms. Anybody, any, any people that can do that in their mind? Okay. 280, it's 286 pounds. Wow. Show off. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan, such a show off. 286 pounds it's supposed to hold. I weigh a little over 200 pounds. I had to read this again. Where's this made? See what we do with the Word of God? Where's this come from? China, I don't know. I don't want to catch anything. Anyway, anyway it says there, okay, 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 alright. Yeah, 287 pounds it says here on, it actually says that, it breaks it down for you. 287 pounds. I know what it says. I believe in chapter 1, verse 2 of the instructions, it says, and I can quote it now, maximum load, 287 pounds. I didn't even mess it up at all. Quoted it accurately. I believe it can do that. And that's the story. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Sure do. Believed it for years. Is that believing? What what I got to do?
Did you say stand on it? Well, you know what? I think I'm going to stand on it. Now, if I fall, get your phones out. Yep, it holds 287 pounds. One more time. There's a picture, even a picture. Somebody's done it before. What's that? I really don't have to do it because somebody's already done it. Thank you, Gary, for getting me off the hook. No, I know, I know that I've not tested this. I didn't think this through very far. Gosh. There, it holds, it holds me. What? Look at that. Okay. I really didn't think that went through. <laughs> oh boy, should have fell off of it. Yeah, so if I believe it, will I trust it? Will I put everything on it? That's what I'm asking you to think about. This is a big deal, church. This is a big deal. I don't know where you are with your faith in Christ. I know where I am, and I'm still working on that. I'm just, I'm asking you this morning, would you work on this? Would you work on this? Because look what it says in John 3 here. The one who believes in the Son of God has eternal life. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son of God will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. That's how important this is. Maybe you believe that God exists this morning. And maybe you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And maybe you believe He's died and rose again. You believe that. And I just want to say that's wonderful. You believe more than most of the world. But why not go all the way? If you've come that far, why not just take more steps toward trusting the Lord? To believe enough and to trust enough to turn everything you have over to Him. To accept that love. To really, I understand we have to look at this love and sometimes it's hard to trust, but to trust that love is solid. To take a step towards some service. To stand up for the Lord and be willing to to suffer. Look at this passage and we're going to stop. Mark 16, 16. Anyone who believes me and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe me will be condemned. Maybe that's your step. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died and rose again. He says if you, if you, you believe and are baptized, you're saved. Maybe that's the first, that's one of the steps some of us here need to take. Just take that one. Or maybe you've done this. And you've walked away from God, or you've stepped away from God, or it's just not as strong as it used to be. Maybe it's, 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 it's still turning and taking a step toward the Lord and putting more weight on His promises because they're good.
you can trust what He says to be true. I don't know what decision you need to make today. I'm not sure where any of you are. I, I, I really don't. I only know where I am. I, I'm praying this morning that you will believe in Jesus Christ even more. Let God open your eyes this morning. What is He opening your eyes to see about your faith this morning is what I'm saying. And look at that. Respond to that by taking a step, another step of faith. You have a card in your bulletin and that card is a simple response that you can make this morning. And I hope you'll do that this morning. I hope you'll take advantage of that card. Ask yourself, what's the step I need to take? What does God want me to trust Him with? None of us are perfect. None of us have got it all figured out. We're all inconsistent in something. We're all in the same boat here. Why don't we just say, God, you know, help me take a step this way. Another step closer to you. To trust you a little more. How much weight do you have on the Lord's promises? Hand, foot, Why not try it all and see what happens? Go all the way with this. Let's see what happens. What would happen to this church? What would happen to your marriage? What would happen to your life? I could say all that. What would happen to this church if we would just really just open it up and say, Lord, you got it all. What are you going to do with that? He'll do something incredible. He promises that. I'm going to give you a moment to fill out those cards while we sing a song and then we'll uh, sing another song and take up those cards along with our regular contribution. May God bless you to have the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith and believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for a powerful, powerful thoughts here, Lord. To think about everything we've ever done and ever do can be forgiven. That we could have your strength. We could have purpose, eternity, contentment, if we just believe. Oh God, help us believe in a way that turns to You, that turns everything over to You, that we trust Your love. Father, I pray that some of us here will just dedicate today, starting today, we're going to say, Lord, use my life to serve You. Help us, Father. Some of us here, it's hard at work. It's hard in our neighborhood. Sometimes it's even hard in our own family to do the right thing because we don't want to you know, be smug or self-righteous. and We don't want to do that. We don't want to make waves sometimes, Father. But Father, we know doing right sometimes is going to do that. It's going to rock the boat wherever we are. Would you help us suffer? Help us be willing to suffer, to do the right thing. Maybe face some rejection. Maybe face some hurt. Maybe face some that will dislike us. Father, help us trust what you say. Father, so many hands went up when we talked about believing what you say. Father, help us. Father, let that belief express itself in how we approach your word. Father, there are some here that need just to take that step, get baptized. And Father, I know that when and I talk about this, I know someone might say, well, yeah, I feel like you're pressuring me. Listen, let them see they're the one that's making the pressure happen, not me. They're pushing back against what they know you're saying, against your desire. Father, I just pray you just 
Allow them, Father. Give them the courage. Put their hand down. Quit pushing back. And just obey you. Father, and uh, for some of us here, you know, we're just so fickled up and down our faith sometimes. And Father, we know we've not been as dedicated as we need to be. Father, we want you to know we're going to trust you. Today we're making a decision. We're going to trust you. We know it's not going to be easy, but we're going to trust you again. Trust you more. Father, I pray you bring these blessings we've talked about today into the lives of those here who have chosen to believe in your Son. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.